Trek Companion. This is episode 315. I'm your host, Brian Williams. I'm Adam Caesar. I'm Stephen Embry. And today we're going to be discussing Star Trek Picard's second season episodes, Assimilation and Watcher. Here we go. Assimilation, Season 2, Episode 3. Original release date, March 17th, 2022. Directed by Aaliyah Thompson, written by Kylie Rosetter and Christopher Monfett. Guest cast include John Delancey as Q, Annie Wershing as Borg Queen, Chloe Pepper as Gabby, John Briones as Confederation Magistrate, and Sol Rodriguez as Teresa Ramirez. Seven distracts her husband, the magistrate, long enough for the group to overpower and kill him and his officers. The ship comes under attack, and the queen takes advantage of the situation to directly connect herself to the ship's computers. She destroys their pursuers and slingshots the ship around the sun, creating a wormhole to 2024. She tells Picard they must find the Watcher in Los Angeles who knows what Q changed to cause the new timeline. You can't bring that with you. This? Yeah. Why not? Because we're 400 years in the past. You have to look out for butterflies. If you lose that, Q won't be the only one breaking the timeline. I'll be careful. No, you're like the kid who needs the string around his mittens, please. But the point is... No phasers. It goes beyond phasers. Don't draw attention to yourself. No hospitals, no authorities, no security checkpoints. Anything that can scan you, it can find the ID implants and vaccination chips from a future that doesn't exist yet. I understand. All right. Steve, assimilate us with your views on this episode. Uh, yes. So we pick up right where we left off. We have the drama of Elnor's been shot, all the... Uh, Everyone's upset. It's crazy. We're time traveling and so on. Uh, I think, you know, this and the next episode have plenty of um, references, you know, sci-fi references, references to Star Trek itself, things we've seen before. It does kind of get into this territory of it it feels like we're just seeing the the kind of um, elements that we're used to seeing and just throwing it together and mixed up and here we go. You know, I mean, it's, you know, the, I think it's fun. I think these kind of adventures are fun where you have some kind of goal, a directive, you go back and doing it. But we've seen, we've seen this kind of brand of time travel where you go back to fix something, to solve something that obviously that's not, um, that, that's not novel anymore. And so you, you know, you feel the beats as they're, you know, everything's got to happen in this way. You're, you kind of, it's kind of expected. And to me, there's a few things here too, that are, I don't know, unearned a bit. I mean, you, you get that this, this, um, backlash, uh, against, uh, Picard for sending him down the wrong path or whatever else with his decision-making and these kinds of things, uh, like Rafi's, uh, you know, reactions and so on. I, I don't, doesn't feel completely legitimate to me. Yeah. Her, her like, Blaming him for Elnor's death, yeah, like, what, yeah, because he had a history with Q. Is that what she's saying? Right. It's just, yes, it's, it it's a real very forced drama. Yeah, yeah. Well, was it because he chose the queen to keep the queen alive? Right. And it seems like he's being. They're, at least they're trying to make it be a, be a practical choice. Like this is our the, what we we need this you know tool as, to, as if it was so binary a decision anyway. Right, right. You know, oh, definitely, Elnor's going to survive as long as we kill the queen. I mean, no. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah, it makes it kind of dumbed down and shallow, you know, because we, we know it's not that simple. And so these reactions, I don't know. Anyway, so um, 
Otherwise, I don't really know what to say. Like I said, it feels like there's like moments that they try to be funny, and I think they're trying to be funnier than it actually comes off as being funny it's in, at times, you know, things like that. Anyway, I guess those are my my first thoughts. Yeah, you know, last last season, I had that thing that I'm never going to let go. Sorry. <laughs> An android that taught herself how to do a Vulcan mind melt. <laughs> this episode, we've got, maybe somebody can explain it to me. The tubule that's like connecting to Jurati. Because it's not like when we've seen tubules like assimilate them, they go in and they start injecting like nano whatever proby things and, and their body kind of gets taken over. But this seems more like it's a my brain is going to talk to your my subconscious is going to talk to your subconscious. I'm going to I mean, I was almost expecting like one of those. What was that episode of DS9 where they go into Section 31 guy's head, you know, and now we see them in like a real space and moving around. We, we've seen that. So I almost, it felt, almost felt like it was going to be that sort of thing. I mean, it wasn't fine, but good. Uh, but what I want to know is it, it's sure. It seems like this is more like we are making a physical connection as if she was data or something and had an actual electronic circuitry that is being connected to the board Queen's electronic circuitry, but she is flesh and blood and that is a tubule. So my question is <laughs> to me, this feels like, I'm just making crap up. I'm going to have the android know how to do a Vulcan mind meld. I'm going to have this tubule connect to Jurati's brain sort of thing, as if she was an android or something. Doesn't make sense. So tell me that I'm that I'm wrong and it actually completely makes sense. No, I don't I don't I don't think it makes sense. I think it's just it's them finding the the quickest way out of a problem or something. They 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 decide they want narratively to go down this path with Jurati and the Queen and, and so on and so forth, and they're trying to find a, some way to link them up. That's not her just hacking a computer or something. I guess I don't know. So but, it's uh, just nonsense. If she was an android, that scene would would work for me. It as is. It's just it's nonsense. Like an android learning how to do a Vulcan mind meld. Which of course you know we should say obviously we make up these conventions, but you get once you make up. Once you create a convention, you if you don't stick to it, especially in stuff like this, you know, where there's such a fandom and canon and so forth, it's you really have to have a real good reason to do that, or 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 you're costing, you know, you're spending political capital of the little you have or whatever by doing fun things and stuff. You know, it's Adam. What are your first thoughts? So I think we pretty much agreed that the first two episodes were um, solid episodes. The first one definitely was, a, was probably one of the better ones that we'd run across in the Picard series. And I kind of felt like the first 10 minutes of this episode were solid. I, I take to Steve's point, there's story-wise, there's nothing new, but I mean, you know, we, we get into it. It's kind of, it's action-packed. They, you know, they're escaping from, you know, the confederation the scenes are really cool this ship's exploding um elnor's injured you feel that kind of emotional pain it's edited really very well it's kind of fast-paced i mean the effects are really cool when they're going through you know the time warp it's it's cool even the effects were you know very cool vfx when they're slingshotting around the sun and all that yeah so i mean you know that like i said the first you know five ten minutes of this episode i'm in it i'm like okay yeah i've seen this before the slingshot around the sun you know the you know alternate universe but this looks cool it looks cool and and it's it's action-packed right up until the point you know and then you know they get over there um elnor dies it's a very touching scene you know him passing the medallion 
And then it just, when she goes out there and flips out on Ricard, it gets sloppy. And it's sloppy the rest of the way through this episode and the next one. It's just sloppy. And you guys have mentioned a few things. I mean, the only thing that kind of saves it for me, you know, the performances. That scene you were talking about with Gerardi, I, I mean, I totally agree with you, but she's really good in it. That was the only saving grace of it. It's like, well, it's yeah, she fun is. to watch her perform. She is. I mean, if she wasn't, if it wasn't a good actress or actor, it would have really been bad. I don't even, you know, I don't think it's written very well. Picard, not, his side of it isn't written very well. He's just like, you can do it. You can make, you know, it's, it's just sloppy. Um, you know, then, you know, then, you know, we have seven they go on this, you know, they take off because she's pissed off and it gets really slight, you know, like, be careful. You're in this timeline. Don't mess anything up. And they're just slot. They're just, they're just running through things to sloppily. Um, the Rio storyline. I mean, we'll kind of get into that in the next episode. I'm the one thing that I've always kind of loved about Star Trek is its subtlety in talking about societal issues that we have it's it's subtle it's it's subtle <laughs> you know not the word you use for today's episodes no i mean this is in your face you know we got ice we got you know the the a-hole ice you know rating you know it's it's very political and i have a hard time with that not that i necessarily disagree with the politics even of when it. i entirely agree with, with but the i politics. think it alienates i mean i think it alienates audience and i don't think that's necessary and i think the brilliance of you know the trek in the 60s and even with next gen is the subtlety of showing these things that were you know alien in a way and i think the problem with this is they went to why did they have to go to 2024 i mean why was it necessary to go to our time i mean we've been here several times to you know our present i mean i i think you know if they had to do it maybe they could have gone right before the world war three that's an era of human history they haven't really shown like leading right up to that and i think the premise of what they had going on here with the confederacy and all that stuff going on it would have made sense to go right before world war three and like what was going on there that's just my i really opinion. wonder if it was just a monetary decision yeah there's nothing cheaper than shooting existing you know locations so. like i said the performances are good that's kind of what holds this together that's what kind of keeps me interested um um it's but that, that's kind of my feeling and I, like i said you know even the, the next episode is even more sloppy than this one. So um, I remember feeling this way the first time I watched it. It was like, okay, we're off the rails again like we were in season one. Um, I can't remember. I think it does get back on track a little sooner than season one did, but um, we'll find out. Those are my thoughts. Uh, it's funny you mentioned um, how crazy not subtle the politics are. And again, I mean, I agree with, <laughs> with uh, you know, pointing out – um, whatever racial discrimination and um, inequality, especially uh, economic inequality, and you've got all the homeless people, and it's a terrible, awful thing. I completely agree with with you know the viewpoint, but yeah, it's so inartful in its lack of subtlety, and it it's funny because it it made me think of um because I just rewatched I just watched um City on the Edge of Forever with my girl recently. Uh, she's never seen that. And um, that has a lot of comments about socioeconomic disparities, but it's way more artful <laughs> than it is here. <laughs> you know, it, it allows you and asks you to think in a way that this does not. This just gives you a straight, just it's right in your face point of view. Actually, <laughs> completely, you know, a uh, different thing. But that same episode, there was some stock footage. <laughs> and it was funny watching this episode and thinking, 
you know, almost 60 years later, we still can't put in stock footage and, you know, make it look like the rest of the show. It's like, oh, this is stock footage of L.A. and it really doesn't match. (laughs) And I'm not knocking them too hard. Everybody does it. I know. But come on, how much would it really cost for you to friggin' throw up a drone to get that same shot? What did you pay for the stock footage? A few hundred bucks versus a thousand dollars to do it yourself or something? I don't know. It's just like, or, that's a minor comment, but you know, yeah. Like even some of the scenes, they just seem like redundant. Picard literally says, you know, when he's telling them the plan, we have to mend the timeline. I mean, I felt like, well, is this supposed to be? Uh, reminding me what's happened in the previous episodes or something? Is it just an exposition dump? I don't know. Yeah, it's it's sloppy is like probably a, a good word for it. And, and the performances are all there. Yeah, it's just the, the writing and the story is not. It's and the production value is there too. I mean, <laughs> I do like, uh, I like the, the doctor that Rios goes to see. I think she's, she's an interesting character and they have a, a fun, very good chemistry together. That's me trying to find some positives here. No, I agree. This episode, compared to some of the stuff, most of the stuff we saw in the first season, this is mostly, it makes you feel like they're kind of dumbing things down. Like, like we can't, we can't absorb anything that's not direct and not, you know, or something like that, as opposed to most of the first season when it was mostly they're confusing us on purpose or not re- relaying information in a way that's conv- I don't know convoluted stuff this is kind of a different problem a little bit with the writing it's more of just so obvious it's like we want to say this so we're just going to say this we're going to say these things exactly as we say them and like and it makes it sound like uh, something targeted for children or something you know maybe they took feedback from the first season a little too far <laughs> right right <laughs> Girardi also had the line, you know, where she was, she when she was angry, Girardi, you know, saying, you know, Picard doesn't feel anything. I mean, that's a little foreshadowing of what we're to see coming with Picard, you know, towards the end of the season. But yeah, I mean, there's little bits and pieces of puzzle for what the season's about. Well, on that note, what is this episode about? <laughs> um, in some ways, how you deal with grief. I mean, that's in this episode. I mean, you can just, um, you take it head on. Um, I don't know. I had a hard time coming up with, with how you deal with tubules in your neck. Yeah. I think, I think it's just, there's just too many things going on that have nothing to do with each other in order to really concoct something, what it's about here for this one, in my opinion. All right. Steve, Matt Kaminsky plays the security guard that wants to be just as funner as his colleague and allow Seven and Rafi up to the roof. In Star Trek Enterprise's second season, he played Cunningham in the episode Singularity. In this episode, the crew starts acting weird because they encounter what type of anomaly in space? The title might be a hint. Uh, Black Hole. Yes, sir. Black Hole. Hmm. All right. Steve got a point. Moving on. Watcher Season 2, Episode 4. Original release date, March 24th, 2022. Directed by Leah Thompson. Story by Travis Fickett and Juliana James. Teleplay by Juliana James and Jane Moggs. Guest cast include John Delancey as Q, Annie Wershing as Borg Queen, Madeline Wise as Yvette Picard, Ito Akahara as Guinan, Leif Gonfort as Officer Morris, Penelope Mitchell as Renee Picard, Sol Rodriguez as Teresa Ramirez, Chloe Pepper as Gabby, and Carl T. Wright as Francis Puga. 
Drati learns from the connection to the Queen that the change to the timeline they must prevent will happen in three days' time on April 15, 2024. Picard transports to the location Girardi learned from the Queen and finds a younger version of Guinan. Meanwhile, Seven and Rafi search for Rios, who is processed by ICE and sent to a sanctuary district on the U.S. border. They are able to track the bus that Rios is on with the help of Girardi, who tricks the Queen into improving the transporter systems. Excuse me, are you a friend of Guinan's? Absolutely not. All right. Adam, get us going on Watcher. Um, Watcher, so... We pretty, like Steve said last episode, we pick right up where the last one ended. We get more into the story with Rios. You know, he's been captured by ICE and he's held in a detention center. We've got a um, really angry Rafi who's yelling at cops to to find Rios. And then we have this kind of um, absurd, angry seven driving through the streets of LA in a stolen cop car. It just didn't really make, I didn't really understand um, the point of that um, that scene where she's, you know, driving angrily throughout the city and recklessly, but that's what they did. You know, and then we, on the ship, obviously we have Picard and Gerati still Picard, you know, finds out the location. He goes to 10 forward, which left me confused because why would it be 10 forward in this universe? Um, why would it even be 10 forward in our prime universe in the past? Because Guinan never, even though she'd met Picard, she'd never actually, been aboard the Enterprise, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> we'll talk about that in a minute. Let's, let's keep, keep going. We'll come back. We'll come back to the Guinan questions. <laughs> and, um, you know, he meets Guinan, and again, I'm confused about that, but I guess we'll get into that as well. I mean, why they made the choice that they did with her, but like I said, we'll get into that conversation because it's just confusing, but okay. So, yeah, that's kind of the only really kind of interesting thing that I found from this episode was the Jurati and the Queen relationship because you, you kind of see that forming. They got a little bit of chemistry. They're connecting. As much as I wanted to enjoy the Guinan stuff, it really wasn't. I'm, it's, and it's nothing against the... I have no problem with them recasting. And the actress who played Guinan was just fine. It was the writing that was a problem with that. Um, and that's kind of how I've been... And then obviously we get into Rios or saving him from the border patrol and that kind of stuff so all right so let's spend let's spend a couple minutes with guy and i'm so i'm gonna ask a couple questions here and then steve who understands this stuff way better than uh, adam and i is going to explain it to adam and me and then it's not going to be bad anymore <laughs> yeah. so my first question is it doesn't really make sense to me that that the address is 10 forward because on the enterprise d it was called 10 forward because it was on deck 10 in the front of the ship. So there is a geographic, it was called 10 forward because Enterprise D, which is a long time in the future from now, 10 forward was 10 forward. Her bar was named 10 forward in the future, which makes sense. That makes sense because she leaves the Enterprise and then she names her bar 10 forward. Maybe they even rename the street 10 forward. So she can have it be 10 forward because yeah. the Enterprise is, that all makes sense. Okay, so that's question one. Why is it 10 forward here? But the way way, way more important question that everybody watching this would be like, WTF, is last time I checked, like Mark Twain in San Francisco took place before 2024. Like, and I'm pretty sure that Guy and then 
meets Picard now. So is that going in like a... I've, I've heard their explanation to this. Their explanation is like, well, the, the Confederate universe is where they came from, so therefore Picard never met Guinan in the past. Which nope, nope, fine. nope. Because we came back prior to the event. We came back three days before the event that changes things to, to lead us to the Confederate. Well, see, that even makes it more stupid. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, they, right. they just, Steve, they educate just... us. Well, now I'm afraid the most likely explanation is they just screwed up and then they try to cover their tracks. I mean, it, it's kind of sad if that's the case, though, that, that, that everyone on the writing team was unaware of the two-part episode, Next Gen, that featured her in the past and didn't, I don't know, I don't know what they just dropped the ball. I mean, there's really only, you'd have to make, make up convoluted episodes to explain their nonsense for both of those things you mentioned. Number, the first one, you'd have to make up some nonsense that it's com- on a complete coincidental, it's completely coincidental, there's a street called Forward Street, and her address was 10, and then it just worked out, and she was in 10, you know, or something like that, right? That's like, you don't understand the most basic of basics of yeah. the next gen. Do you know what the bridge is? Then you would know how, what yeah. 10 Forward is. I mean, what? The, the, and that's the sad part is that we're in that and then going to that the timeline issue and they would have already met you have to make up more excuses you have to make up she forgot or he's too old and looks different enough in the past i don't know it's something like that and and so in either either way you just have to accept what the most likely explanation is they just screwed up they just screwed up in making any kind of sense um with the timeline and with 10 forward and all that stuff and that's unfortunate voyager goes back in time once to the 90s and it's not the eugenics wars and that wasn't great but it's not like we explicitly saw the episodes where the eugenics wars took place you know greg cox wrote those novels where he and i know novels aren't canon but he gave us a possibility he showed us a way that those eugenics wars Mm -hmm. happened without it being like out in the open and everything okay fine yeah so you know it's not like we explicitly had you know, and even then, they did at least make a. They realized what they were doing. Remember, they had didn't they put like the Botany Bay, yeah, a picture in the background or something just to kind of you know, acknowledge it. Mm-hmm. But here, it's like it's very specific. <laughs> you, know? Mm-hmm. you know, we have that too. We have Time's Arrow. My other complaint about it is, is like Picard is he's trying to convince her to help him. He's he's even gone as far as like saying a line that Guinan said to him in the future and it made her throw up because she's got the time sickness. <laughs> so that, do, that doesn't that doesn't convince her. What convinces her is like I am Jean-Luc Picard. Well alrighty then I'm gonna help you now. That that mean I mean it just it's just bad writing. I'm like what what's well the, the other thing is like so nobody ever says anything to her similar to anything they've ever said to her before or will in the future because otherwise she's gonna be thrown up a lot. Yeah. Like every night I I get home from work, and I say hi, honey. Is that like every single night you throw up? I I don't. I don't. That's that's a weird one. I mean, she so, works at bar for a lot of years. I mean, every time someone comes and says, "Give me a beer," <laughs> uh, <laughs> customer service there. <laughs> you you have to ask it differently every time. Okay. All right. Yeah, and it's just it's just like so like fundamental. And I agree that the the recasting is is okay. She's fine, but it it doesn't seem necessary. The performances aren't the problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're doing what the, the they're doing the best with what they got. So Laris is not Laris, but the Watcher. I 
I'm sorry, I have to complain again. That whole scene with the the white eyes to get to her was kind of silly. It was kind of ridiculous, but go ahead. I mean, it was creepy, sorry. but it was like out of context. I thought it was fine and effective, but once we know her, I mean, that it doesn't seem in keeping with her character that she would do this creepy thing. In the same way, honestly, it doesn't really seem. Again, writing, not performance, but the way Guinan acts with Picard, and I know this is supposed to be, but we've seen how Guinan is 100 years, 140, whatever, years earlier, 120 years earlier, whatever that is. And she sure doesn't seem all that different from the Guinan on the Enterprise D, so that she would be this different here. I don't know. It doesn't seem like in keeping with the character, but okay. Somebody forgot to watch rewatch the Guinan episodes. But, you know, even if, okay, fine. So Laris is not Laris. And I remember they're going to kind of explain that somehow, but can you guys remind me, like, is she, is she, is she like the assignment earth guy watcher? Yeah. Or is she like, yeah. that's the one she is. Mm-hmm. Okay. She's not like the Wesley traveler people. Right, it's different, and then okay. they kind of they because the tech they use with the with the ste- steamy doors, the white steamy white doors, you know, or whatever. Oh, right, we see okay. that. That's that's like that episode. Yeah, got it. All right, okay. Yeah, talking about the not exactly subtle. There's there's a line in this episode where she, for Guinan tells Picard, um, this century took off a hood and put on a suit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Picard should have been like, no, I'm not getting it. Can you? He's <laughs> played in another way. What, what do you What do you really mean? Don't mince words, Bones. <laughs> especially, yeah, especially Starfleet personnel in the future uh, are really up on their history. You know, I mean, they're all they always they know all these references and know everything going on. It's really quite impressive. <laughs> I like when Picard's uh, walking through the, the white eye people, you know, and getting to um, the Watcher and. He says, "What is this pantomime?" And I, I, I like, I like Picard's strange word choices, and, and you know, going back to the next gen days, even too, when he says things that are like, "I would never say that exact line about us that scenario," but it's funny and it sounds like him. I've always said, "Funniest line in the history of Star Trek: This is not your bedroom." <laughs> <laughs> and if he said it jokingly, it would not be funny. We get uh, the punk guy on the bus. I'm not really sure I see why, other than they just had a story opportunity to to do it. But cool. All right. It was fun. It was funny. But when they do it in the same episode, they screw up a bunch of canon things that don't make any yeah. sense. Then it just feels yeah. like it's just like they they don't get it. Like the people yeah. are, or they're trying to throw us a bone or whatever yet. Yeah. But you guys screw up this other big thing. So, you know, was, you don't get the right to do that or something. Well, we, we watch the movies, just not the shows. <laughs> the shows that this series is based on. <laughs> yeah, that we didn't watch, but we watched the movies that don't have anything to do with this show. God, I'm recording all this. I'm never going to get a job at Paramount, guys. Let me tell you. <laughs> uh, like in an interview or something, they play this back. Well, how do you explain <laughs> this? <laughs> oh, oh, boy. The, the scene with Q at the end was, was nice, you know? That was a cool scene. Yeah, I mean, like, if sure. It's very cute. He's obviously he's we we see that Q is uh, more evidence that he's ill or something. Something's not right. Something's not right with Q. So far, I think he's actually been in every episode this season, even if it was just for like a shot, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Pretty that's briefly. interesting. Mm-hmm. We move into Chateau Picard, the rundown version, and we get our first kind of glimpses of um, the storyline that I remember particularly disliking 
the first time through this season of Picard as a child with his mother and all that. But we don't really get any of that today. We just kind of just kind of get the highlights. Uh, so we'll probably be getting into that more on our next podcast. Like I said, those are the little puzzle pieces they're giving us for this, what this season's about. I do kind of like uh, notions of going into a time and like, okay, this, this particular facility or area or whatever is, is abandoned in this era and kind of getting kind of these big history lessons kind of thing. I like that, you know, where you're kind of, you're dropped into a thing. And I also thought it was kind of funny, the notion of, and then the Picards moved to England. So we could explain why the actor has an English accent later and is not French or whatever, you know. It's the first time we've ever had that, right? I had that thought too. Right, like, right. Wow. I don't know how conscious, it doesn't feel like they were doing it, saying it consciously, it was like, but it does make sense now for us as to why he's got an English accent. Well, it was the, it was an interesting concept that he's having, he's reminiscing about memories in a place that haven't happened yet. Yeah. So it's yeah, an interesting, it interesting conundrum there. Lucky for him, he's not throwing up every time he. <laughs> what is this episode about? Oh, here we go. Um, trying to look for a theme here. Um, there's they really don't connect. I mean, the you know you have, kind of have all these side stories that are going on separate from each other. I mean, you have the Gerardi storyline with the Borg Queen. Um, that's kind of talking about you know connection and you know a feeling of aloneness and connection there's that kind of going on there there's the whole rios thing which is political savvy in nature and then um you know then you have picard reminiscing in his um abandoned chateau couldn't really give you what they're trying to say yeah i think it's i think like the other episode it's just too many disparate things that if even if you could call it a theme that each one is addressing there nothing's in common so you it's very difficult to nail down what the episode's about. All right, so a couple of maybe weaker episodes. Adam? Kirk Thatcher returns as the punk on the bus. The song he was listening to in Star Trek Four was I Hate You. The new song he's listening to is a sequel of sorts. What's the name of the new song? No clue. And he does say it. He does sing it, if you were listening. Um, I do not remember. Steve? Uh, is it I still hate you? Yes, sir. <laughs> I still hate you. <laughs> Look at that. Steve takes two for two. All right. So Paramount, if someday you do pull this episode up when I'm applying for a job, <laughs> I hope you come to this part because I do want to say that I have watched the first episode of Picard season three, as many I'm sure of our listeners have and how wonderful it is. And I'm not going to say anything else because neither of my colleagues on this podcast have had time to do so. But for take everything negative that I've said in the last about the last four episodes of Picard, actually in all of the first season two. So for, the first 14 episodes of Picard. And I'm likely, you're likely to hear more similar things as we continue through Star Trek Picard season two. But now imagine me saying the opposite. <laughs> and that's what I hope to be doing on this podcast in a couple months' time. When we get to season three, because Steve, I, I hope I hope season three is good all the way through because Brian will be very. Yeah, <laughs> 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 it'll be a, it'll be rant that from like no other. <laughs> so <laughs> let's. I don't know which more I'm hoping for a, a, a beautiful, uh, eloquent Brian rant or you know a good season yeah, three. I think I'm is, Brian, stop watching now. <laughs> But no, it's good. I want to see it. I want to see the next episode. I really do. I'm very excited. 
<laughs> well, that, like I said, now I won't feel as bad if it's a, if it ends up being a crappy season because I'll I'll get to hear, hear your eloquence and remember <laughs> and remember this moment. Yes, no doubt. Yeah. But yeah, that first episode pretty dang great. Have they officially still? I feel like they still haven't officially said the 4K set is coming out in April, but it's up for pre-sale now. So get your pre-orders in for your 4K blues of the next-gen movies. I believe uh, today they actually announced it. Oh, great. Okay, good. Uh, now people will know when, when we record it. So if I cut this podcast late, they're going to be like, what took you so long? Thanks a lot, Steve. <laughs> but all right. Um, you can send us an email, trekcompanion at gmail.com. Our Twitter handle is at trekcompanion. We're going to be back in two weeks to discuss the next two episodes of Star Trek Picard's second season. Thank you so much for spending an hour with us. Until next time, take it easy. Bye, guys. See ya. Stefan, I passed it.